All right, good afternoon. Thanks for coming out. Now, you guys are going to have to help me. We were about down almost everybody, so let's uh, speak up and laugh. I got a couple jokes, like two, so just when we get to that humor, I need you to really belly laugh, all right? All right, so here's the first part of it. I'm going to be teaching on something I've never taught on before, and I'm looking forward to it. It's a book in the Old Testament. It's called The Song of Songs or The Song of Solomon. And uh, so you're my guinea pig. Thank you for that little bit there. Okay. Anybody know what a man card is? All right. So uh, if you don't know, here's the definition, the official definition of man card. Man card requires proof of manhood in order to become a respected member of the male community. It can and will be temporarily revoked if privileges as a man are abused. Plain and simple, you have to act like a man to have a man card. Right, Mark? Yes, you did. You did. You did. Now, here's some reasons. You may not know all of these. Reasons for revoking one of your man cards or your man card. Taking photos of yourself in the mirror for social media. That's a joke. Okay. Uh, Agreeing to match your outfit with your woman. Waxing, really, come on. Not paying for a date, come on, dude, <laughs> be a man, right? Wearing skinny jeans if you're either 25 years, over 25 years old, or if you are 25 pounds overweight. It's okay to be over, overweight, but no judgment, just don't wear those tight jeans, all right? And I hear that those are going out, and everybody said, yes. I guess I'm the only one that said yes, but anyhow. Using pet names in public like Bad Kitty, Cuddle Muffin, Chunky Bunny. Nobody wants to hear that, especially you guys. Um, have any idea what the Tony Awards are? <laughs> okay, all right. I don't totally agree with that one because I kind of like Broadway stuff and actually went to Hamilton, you guys are saying, what's Hamilton, you know, but I enjoyed it, I like that kind of stuff. Driving a minivan, unless you have more than three kids, man, these are just like, <laughs> having the guy at the auto parts store put your windshield wiper on for you, just take it to the Walmart and they'll take care of it, nobody will know, and then the last one is getting offended by any of this list. So, I may lose my man card on this one. My own family pokes fun at me because I watch Hallmark movies. <laughs> really? Oh, Air Five right here. <laughs> this, this is great. This is great. So, I watch them. They think the movies are pretty tame and and aren't stacked with a lot of great, great acting. And, but my argument is that even though they're pretty plain, they're usually got kind of an interesting plot, wouldn't you agree, Michael? And, and then it... One they, yeah, one <laughs> I knew we would get it. I knew there would be pushback. And, that's right, that's right. I like that. And then there's, they usually kiss at the end and it snows. It's like, it's awesome, isn't it? But the thing is, I never feel bad about watching one. You know, a lot of my man movies are kind of, well, you know, I, you know, I shouldn't have probably watched that, you know. Okay, nobody's like that but me. But anyhow, I'm sure you realize that our culture is telling people about love, about sex, about marriage. And we, as a culture, are really buying into that. And it's a problem. There are lies, there are deceptions that are totally against the Word of God, totally against what God's will for our lives are. And so we need to be discerning. We need to have God's wisdom to know how to operate in this world and how to uh, conduct ourselves. You can get all kinds of stuff. There's reality dating shows and there are 
references, innuendos, and demonstrations of sex in, in most movies, TV shows, Netflix, originals, all those. On one show, one woman, one of the women contestants described how she had slept with 35 men in her quest for true love. Later in the show, The Bachelor would take four other women away individually on romantic weekends to explore their compatibility more fully. Now that may shock you and it may not shock you. Kind of depends what your background is. I'm not here to be TV police, movie police, or anything like that. There's just too much availability. If you want it, you're going to find it. You know, just that's just the fact of this era that we live in. But my job is today. I feel like this is my task. Is I would like to help us see that we all have unholy desires and we all have holy desires. And so what I want to do is try to invigorate those holy desires so that they overwhelm the unholy in us. Does that make sense? So I'm not here to slam anybody. I'm just trying to beef up and strengthen what God is doing in our lives. And that is, He put in us a desire for holiness. And I want to see that just... I don't know any better word than invigorate. I just want it to blossom. And I know this, that if you're going towards Jesus, you set your eyes on Jesus, you fix your eyes on Jesus, that other stuff just drops off. And you don't usually need to be reminded of it. It's there. We know it's there. And there are times to be pointing it out. And I'll point out some things. But the main thing is to fix our eyes on Jesus and let Him grow on the inside of us. And, and uh, you know, I can give you an example. My wife probably is the most saintly person I know of. But even she has unholy desires. I know because one time she wanted to crack an egg on my head. That is terrible. You know? <laughs> um, but... I'm impressed even with this woman that admits that she went looking with 35 lovers to try to find real, true love. I'm impressed with her honesty, at least, that she admits that, well, I was just looking for love. Um, But don't you think that God has a better way? And that's what we want to search for. What is God's way? What, What is truth here? I heard Andy Stanley tell an auditory pastor is North Point in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. One of the largest churches around. Uh, probably one of the largest in the nation, in the world. But I heard him tell an auditorium full of young adults recently, and I quote exactly what he said. He said, you are sexually compatible with millions of people. And that's the truth. But it would be insane. It would be unholy. It would be suicide to try to find that compatibility with all those people. God's got a much better way. He designed it. He knows what works. And we have the greatest privilege. People have died to give us this privilege. We can read it in a book. God's message to us in the Song of Songs. The Song of Solomon is known in both ways. He wants us to discover that there's something so much better than the confusing content and ideas and practices of our culture. I know that love can be complicated. I know it can be messy. And I know it can be disappointing. And most of us experience all of that to some degree at some time in our life. But if you give me about 20 minutes here today, or so, I want to share some of God's ideas on the subject of love. It doesn't matter what your status is. Single, married, or it's complicated. It doesn't matter what your age is. God's truth can help us all. Would you agree with me on that? So, Song of Solomon, if you start on a journey exploring the first part of the Bible called the Old Testament, you'll come to an eight-chapter book called Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. Here we find God's perspective on the subject of love, sex, and marriage and the deep longings that we have in our hearts. And if you find that you have a particular 
question or an issue that you'd like me to address in the next week or two. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I'd like to hit it at least one more week and maybe two. And if you want to put that on your communication card and drop it in the box, I'll try to work it in. Uh, the best that best knowledge I have at this point in my life concerning that. And I'll even, if it's something I don't know, I'll, I'll either admit it or I'll study it and, and come to you with my best uh, study and answers and solutions on that. Or you, if you want to remain anonymous, that's fine. Don't put your name on it. Or you can text it to me. If you want to jot down my number, it's 573-578-9697. And, you're, you're, and a lot of you have it, or you can get it from my wife or, or, or anybody. 573-578-9697. Uh, you text me that, then I'll do my best to work it in in the next couple of weeks. So let's begin by reading the opening chapter of the book. Um, we're just going to start, and I'm just going to read through without interruption at the first part. So you just listen or watch uh, the screen. I've got these verses for you. Um, you can read it in your own phone or, or your text. Solomon's Song of Songs, verse 1. And it's going to be divided in different sections. There's, we're going to get to it where there's three uh, characters here. One is she, one is he, and one is they. So we'll, we'll get into it here. She begins... Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Now here the friends respond. Now one thing I do, I said without interruption. It's hard for me to read without interrupting. Um, but one thing we see about these friends is that they are, they are celebrating the love of these two. I just encourage you never to be jealous of when love happens for other people. Just be excited for them because it's a God gift. you know. Um, so the friends respond. They said, we rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. And she responds, how right they are to adore you. Dark am I, yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me to take care of the vineyards, my own vineyard I had to neglect. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sleep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? And the friends respond, If you do not know, most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. And he responds, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. And she responds, while the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. And he responds, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves. And she says, how handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. He responds, the beams of our house are cedars. Our rafters are firs. And she says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. And he responds, like a lily among thorns, as my darling among the young women. So, whew, you know. <laughs> it doesn't take long to figure out as you're reading that, that this is a really different book. It's, there's nothing like it in the Bible. In fact, God's not ever mentioned in this book. The only other book, the only other biblical writing that doesn't mention God is the book of Esther. And so we have this happening here. And, and also in this book, there's, there's no mention of faith. There's no mention of sin. There's no much mention of forgiveness, grace, prayer, holiness, worship, or eternal life. 
In fact, there's nothing clearly what we would consider spiritual in this, these eight chapters of this book. Additionally, the sexual content of this book is graphic, it's intense, and it's erotic. There's no getting around that. And if you want to get your older teens interested in the Bible, okay. Down through history, there has actually been debates whether this really belongs in the Bible. And I vote yes, but I have a man card. (laughs) At certain times in history, young people were forbidden to read this. Scholars and preachers have gone to great lengths to find ways to rationalize the importance of this book. It's been explained as an allegory of God's love for Israel or the church's love for Christ or God's love for His people. And there's definitely a place for all of those truths. The medieval mystic Bernard of Clairvaux preached 86 messages on the first two chapters, one of which we just read, without ever in 86 messages never mention the human love or sexuality in his messages. Most of the people who know, however, agree that this is a collection of love songs celebrating the mystery and delights of romantic and sexual love. So the title, let's look at the title a little bit and dig deep on that. What does this mean? Song of Songs. In other words, Song of Songs means this song is the song of songs. This song is special. It's the best of many. There's nothing like it. Like King of Kings. We know Jesus is King of Kings. There's other kings, but King of Kings means that He is special. There's no one like Him. So Song of Songs means that this song is the song of all love songs. It stood out in that ancient world as the greatest collection of songs. There have been many love songs, good love songs in our modern era. But then there's probably that one song that comes to your mind that you favor as being one of the better ones. Every generation is different. So we all grew up in different times. In the 40s, it might have been Perry Como's A, You're Adorable. Or in the 50s, it might have been Elvis with... Love Me Tender, or the 60s, The Beatles, Love Me Do. In the 70s, now we're getting into the good time. Right? In the 70s, Lionel Richie and the Commodores, Three Times a Lady. At least nod your head. Yeah, you know you guys are. And then the 80s, Journeys Faithfully. That was a, a good one. In 2000, now I'm getting out of my era. It's like I, I lost... Lost it from there. Alicia Keys, Fallen. And you guys can correct me. In the 2010s, of course, this chapter is still being written. Is it going to be Bruno? Is it going to be Beyonce? Is it going to be Drake? Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper on the Oscars a couple of weeks ago, they were shaking things up. Um, with their song, Shallow. Now, I skipped the 90s because I think in the 90s came out the song of all songs in our modern era. And that was Whitney Houston's rendition of I Will Always Love You. I think it's probably the song of all songs in our era. It hit the charts. It was top number one for 14 weeks, and that was a record at the time. And not only that, but it hit number one in three decades, and then the top ten in four decades. Once you passed, there was another decade it hit the top ten. whole point is this. Song of Songs means best of many. And so when we're reading this from, it's an ancient writer writing in Song of Songs, but we're reading the best of the best in the ancient world. Everybody knew about it. It wasn't just something that was obscure. Everybody knew about it, and they would sing it, and they would, uh, everybody, it was a language. Everybody knew about it. It hit the top of the ancient Jewish billboards and remained there. Now, while the book is attributed to Solomon, we're really not sure, scholars aren't sure, whether it was written by Solomon, for Solomon, about Solomon, or simply during Solomon's reign. We just, it's not clear. The songs don't tell a story as much as they explore a theme. 
And I'm going to tell you what that central pivot point of that theme is, that all these different songs in the Song of Solomon point to, and it's pointing to the wedding night. The wedding night. It's all about the physical consummation of love before they even had DJs. And there's going to be three singers or speakers all the way through this. The bride, referred to as the beloved. The bridegroom, identified as the lover. And a chorus described as friends. And maybe bridesmaids in a wedding. As the book unfolds, the characters anticipate and or reflect upon that wedding night that's either coming or past or that's what they're referring to. So Song of Songs is a celebration of the wedding night. The consummation of love sexually. It's in this opening chapter that the song explores the wonder of romantic love. So what's the big deal about love anyway? Why does it captivate our hearts and minds so much? Years ago, a former Beatle, Paul McCartney, after he'd become part Paul McCartney in Wings, sang a song, you'd think, and be thankful I'm not singing it, you'd think that people would have had enough of silly love songs. I look around me and I see it isn't so. Why is that? Have you ever thought about that? We just never get tired of it. Why do we never get tired of love songs? Why is love and sex so embedded in our psyche and in our culture? Let's take a closer look at some of these verses now and see what we can learn about the wonder of romantic and sexual love as God sees it. Not as culture sees it. Not as fallen humanity sees it, but as God sees it. Because you don't get to hear that much. We don't get to see that very much. We just follow culture. We just do what our bodies say. And God has a whole different perspective that's so much better. So much better. If you don't learn this in church, you're going to learn it from the culture. And I'd much rather you hear it from the church. I'd much rather you see it in the Bible. Because that perspective is so important. It saves you a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. So what's love got to do with it? First of all, number one, love brings us pleasure. In the opening verses, we learn that love brings us pleasure. The song begins with the bride saying these words, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. So immediately, there's no doubt what this book is about. We jump right into this timeless, universal, physical expression of love, the kiss. Let's say universal. I guess the Inuit tribes in the north employ the Eskimo kiss. I even looked that up. I was like, how, how in the world? You know, it just really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I found out it's a myth that they just rub noses. And you know there's got to be a lot more going on in that igloo, you know? <laughs> and the truth is this, that there's only this much part of their face exposed, and so they... It wasn't because they're trying to not freeze together when they kiss. Okay, so that, that helped me. So this song is telling us that one of the reasons love is so powerful is that it is the source of great pleasure and delight. Do you remember when you discovered kissing? You know, for years as a little kid, you, you probably just the imagine somebody putting your mouth on, on another person's mouth. It just did that. You know, and then you got to be a teenager and it's like, you know, that's not a bad idea, you know. And you just, this something, this rush starts to happen in puberty and it starts to, uh, uh, you start thinking about it more. And then after a while, you don't even want to stop. But a passion, a kiss from the one that you love is... Like nothing else in life, it, and the Scripture says, and the song says, it's better than wine. It's better than wine. The singer says it's, she wanted that experience. She wanted to be kissed passionately and tenderly by the person that she loves. And so do most of us. So she goes on to say, don't worry, don't, don't sweat it. I, I mean, I'm not going to get into R here, okay? 
Where is he going to go? It's, we'll, we'll keep it tame. But I don't want to pull any punches either that this is God's view and perspective of what He has created for us. Okay, so in verse 3, she goes on and says, Pleasing of the fragrance of your perfumes, your name, your name is like perfume poured out. What happens when you take a vial of perfume and open the lid and pour it out? Well, it, that fragrance fills the room, doesn't it? It fills your nostrils. And, and you can smell it and it smells good. And that's what happens every time she thinks of his name. It fills, it's like pouring out perfume in her brain. She begins to think about him. And she's filled with thoughts of love and passion. He captures her imagination. He's the only thing that she can think about. And do you ever have a crush on somebody? And most of us have. And when that happens, you, you think about them all the time. And, and it makes you happy. In verse 4, take me away with you, she says. Let us hurry. The king has brought me into his chambers. And the fact that she refers to him as king doesn't mean he's necessarily the king. I call my wife Princess Di sometimes. She's not really a princess. You know, it's, this is allegorical too. Um, but she fantasizes about running away alone with the one that she loves and having him all to herself and spending the night together, not thinking about work, not thinking about, and him thinking about work and him thinking about hobbies and <laughs> thinking about other things, but just thinking about her. That's what she longs for. And again, whether she's anticipating her wedding night or remembering it, it's not clear. But it really doesn't matter. It's still all about the wedding night here. The point is, nothing can make her happier than to be alone and intimate with her man. Then the chorus kicks in. The friends of the bride. We rejoice and delight in you. We, we will praise your love more than wine. Those two words, rejoice and delight, those are words used throughout the Old Testament to describe worship. And love is so wonderful that when we see it or experience it, we, we praise real love, don't we? We honor that when we really see real love. Like right here on the front row. I was in Chicago uh, a week or two ago. It's all running together with everything that's happened in the last couple of weeks. But when I was at my grandson's pool lesson, I saw this older couple and and one was just barely shuffling along and the other was kind of shuffling along with them, but they were holding hands. And they were... It, it touches me when I see that because it's really God's love in them. And that's so rare that they would treat each other so well. Um, but it made me smile. It made me happy. And wow... In the later twilight years of your life, you can work through so many conflicts and you can work through so many obstacles and you can, you can come to this place where you still care deeply about one another. And I was so touched by that. And I just got thinking, man, that's what I want. I want that in my relationship with Diane. I want, I want to be in our older years holding, holding our, our hands and, and treating each other well and even in our twilight years, and, and my kids are thinking, I'm going to throw up. Or they're thinking, Dad, you're already in your twilight years. You're already in that picture. But this week was tough as we went to St. Louis and, and our four-month-old grandson was taken from her mommy's, his mommy's hands and arms and went in for heart surgery not knowing what was happening to him. And I know they were working on his heart, but it ripped our hearts to watch that happen. And there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Um, but they took him in, and that was a long four hours waiting for... And they, they were really good. They treated them so well, and they came in every hour and gave a report. Um, but still made that four hours pretty long 
And I can just remember reaching over there and grabbing Diane's hand. She grabbed my hand. And we're not even the parents. We're just the grandparents. But it still affects you. And you're watching your son go through this. It just was comforting. God, I wish you had that. God wants you to have that. Instead, we beat each other up and we just go with our bodies all the time. And we don't do things God's way. There's nothing better than that. There's absolutely nothing better than that. Knowing that you can trust another person. And knowing that that person is going to be with you the rest of your life. That's what it's all about, guys. God wants us to have that. If we do things His way, He can show us how to love one another. Work through conflict in a healthy way. And it's so much better His way. There's hardly a minute that I don't absolutely rejoice and look forward to seeing her face. Hardly a minute. Now, I know she gets aggravated at me at times. I do her too. There's hardly a minute I don't rejoice at looking at her. It's God's gift to me. How could I treat that gift that God's given to me in a dishonorable way? It just beats me up when I see that happen. When some man is so angry and so belligerent towards his woman, that is so ungodly. So ungodly. And when a woman treats this man like dirt, that is so ungodly. We gotta come together and we gotta love one another. Even when we're angry, even when we're mad, even when we don't understand each other. We've got to lower the elevated tones and we've got to bring them down just like the Scripture says. Don't raise your voice. Bring it down. And treat each other with respect. Oh, Lord God, there's no one I respect more than Diane. And I hope that she could say the same and I believe that's true. So I encourage us. I know this is a picture, but I, I encourage us Look at the gift that God's given you. How can I honor that person? Love is wonderful because it brings us pleasure from that first pang of desire in puberty right through the tender twilight years of life. We never really get tired of it, do we? Of real, true love. The kind of love that dies for the other person every single day. It's amazing what this song brings out. It says it's just like fine wine. Just like fine wine. It's better. It's sweet. It's intoxicating. It's better than anything other than God Himself, but God's in this kind of love. So that's the first one. God gives us pleasure and delight and love. Number two, love releases our beauty and potential. Now let me pause for a minute. I know a lot of people are single and I understand that. Live single too. And and, and all of this love that we're talking about here comes through God. So all these things, they're not short-circuited if you don't have a mate or a spouse. Love still is released. It still releases beauty and potential. thing is, it comes directly to you from God. And for those of you that are married, your, some of your beauty and some of your potential is going to be released through that other person. Not all of it. Not all of it. Some of it. The next few verses we discover that love is wonderful because it releases our God-given beauty and potential. And the bride speaks out again in verse 6, 
Do not share, stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards, my own vineyard I have neglected. So there were no tanning solutions back in that day in the ancient world. They would freak out if they saw what we did to our bodies to darken them. You know, they, they were going the other direction. They didn't want to be darkened because that showed that you were a peasant, that you worked outside, that you were lower class. So they didn't want darkened bodies like we want. It's crazy. Some things that we, we just like them because the culture thinks that's what's important. But the point is that it seems that this young woman is self-conscious about her appearance. She's insecure. Even as most young women and men are today. And what is it about when you age? It's almost springtime. Pretty soon you're going to see people mowing their lawns. And what is it about a 70 or 80 year old guy? He just doesn't care anymore. And just out there, man, put a shirt on. You know, it just, it just changes, you know. But this is talking about the young woman and the young man. This young woman is insecure about the way of her looks and her appearance. As adolescents and even as adults, we look in the mirror sometimes and we wonder who would want us and who would ever love us. And this woman's insecure about her desirability and her attractiveness. It's like most of us have been at one point or another in our lives. But there's something else going on here too in this verse. This woman is stuck at home. Her brothers make her work in the fields. In an ancient world, the unmarried woman didn't have much to look forward to in life. She did what her family told her to do. She didn't have any status, so to speak. She couldn't own or inherit anything. And the expectations that she would eventually get married and, and leave the family. So why not get, and this is just the way it was, but why not get as much work out of her as we could right then while she's still at home? So this really is a Cinderella story here with mean brothers instead of stepsisters. This woman longs to be free from this repressive environment. She wants to be rescued by a lover who will take her away and allow her to become a woman, not only to be sexually fulfilled, but also to have a home and a family and a life of her own. And sure enough, here comes her Prince Charming in verse 8. And he says, if you do not know most beautiful of women. Did you hear that? Most beautiful of women. He thinks she is desirable. He wants her and he calls her out to meet him in the fields. And he goes on in verse 9. I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. How is this for a one-liner? The greatest one-liner. Hey, baby, you kind of look like a horse. You know, that's pretty much what she said. But the whole meaning here is lost in our culture. But in that culture, in the ancient world, the horse was the most beautiful of all animals, of all creatures. And this is an Egyptian horse, which is the best of the best. So it was a compliment to her. It says, you're, you're just beautiful. Um, and the Pharaoh's horse, not only is it a beautiful horse, but it's an Egyptian horse, and it's Pharaoh's horse. He, had all, he always had the best of the best. So he goes on to say, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels, we will make your earrings of gold studded with silver. I want you to emphasize, I want you to see that maybe in circle in your mind the word will. We will. It's talking about future. So he sees her present beauty. And he also sees her future beauty. This is powerful. So he's giving her a new vision of what life can be. It's Cinderella and the Prince. It's Beauty and the Beast. It's Shrek and Fiona. It's Rocky and Adrian. I don't know. I can go on and on. Can I? When you love someone, when you're loved in return, it brings out of you things that you didn't even know were there. You're free to be your true self, your best self. Sometimes a selfish person becomes 
very thoughtful and considerate. It's a, it's a miracle, isn't it? A quiet person opens up, a timid person finds courage. That's the power, that's the wonder of true love. It releases our beauty and potential. And finally, love points us toward the devotion of marriage. And I want you to listen to me very, very closely on this section. This is where love really gets hot in this story. The bride and the groom get this heat going between them. It's almost embarrassing to listen to or read. He says, how beautiful are you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are like doves. Well, that's better than the horse line, right? <laughs> she responds, how handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. And then in verse 1 of chapter 2, she says, I am a rose of Sharon. Now get this. A lily in the valleys. This singular, not plural. Just one. I'm. What, what's she saying? She say, "I'm just one of many. I'm just one of many. I'm just one of many flowers." Sharon was a coastal plain, and and there were just in the region of Judea where flowers were just abundant. Oh, there's just flowers everywhere. And he says, "I'm just one of those in in a whole valley of flowers." There are many women out there to choose from, she is suggesting. But he responds, yeah, you're, you're a lily, but you're a lily among thorns. He says, you're a lily, not among flowers. You're Everybody else compared to you, it looks like thorns to me. A good comeback. <laughs> you know, it's a pretty good line. He says, you, my lady, are so beautiful. All the flowers are like thorns in comparison to you. So he says, you're the one. He says, you're the one. Only you. You're mine, my darling. And he uses this expression, the only one, nine times in this song. It's a word that expresses care and protection as well as desire. And that's where this relationship is headed. It's headed for that kind of devotion in marriage. To that most intimate and exclusive of all relationships you guys we need to honor this we need to honor marriage when you see that your relationship is coming to this place you honor it you don't despise it you don't say well I'll just see how compatible we are no you honor it we honor this this is what God designed is that we honor marriage, that we protect one another, that we commit to one another. That's what marriage... A lot of people ask me, what do you and Diane have? I don't know. I don't know. I just know I love that woman. And I know that she loves me. I see love in her eyes every day. Sometimes I see fire too. <laughs> but I would wish this for other people. We're going on our third decade now, or fourth now. And I'm, it just feels like yesterday. She makes time fly with me. It's this dance. Can you see this dance between these two? And this is the natural progression of the dance of attractiveness going into this devotion of marriage. This is what God designed. You say, well, it's just not perfect, and I'm not sure. Every one of us go through that. But this is what marriage is. It's exclusive. It's between you and her. You and him. Nobody else. That's what God designed. And I know this culture doesn't like this. But this is the truth. If you'll do it God's way, God will help you. Otherwise, you're headed for another hell of a lot of hurt. Are you hearing me? Because you got so many scars because you can't trust. But God wants to heal that through devotion. You can't do anything about that other person, but you can devote yourself. And when you have both devoting to one another, you know what that brings? It doesn't bring hurt. It brings healing when there is hurt. It brings inspiration. It brings creativity. It brings love. And that all is from God. 
So there's this mysterious, unpredictable, irresistible attraction that a man and a woman have for one another in this song of songs. It's more than friendship. It's more than partnership. It's more than sex. It's a spark of something that sets their hearts on fire for one another. A burning desire to be together. To, re- to be close, to respect one another, to be intimate, to belong to one another forever. That's what God designs. This ultimate des- destination for romantic love and sexual love is to be in the confines of marriage. It's the union of a man and a woman that are completely different from one another. Oh gosh, my kids can tell you how different mom and dad are from each other. That's the beauty of it. She's short, I'm tall. She's quick, I'm slow. And we could just go on and on and on and on. It's completely different. But you know what we've done? We've had a commitment of loving each other through it all. No matter what comes. No matter what happens. We are committed to one another. And it's in that trust that love can grow. And some of us are short-circuiting. God can't move. Can't, God can't do what He wants to do because you're just knocking each other in the head and not loving one another. There's no trust. But we can trust one another. You can get to that place. Oh, how can I? I've been hurt so many times. Trust comes from God. You can always trust Him. And once you start trusting Him, you become trustworthy. And then you have something to offer somebody else. Sure glad it snowed today, so I just go on. I don't know what time to quit. I think I've said enough. There's a lot more there, but. Let's go ahead and stand and I'm going to pray for us. I said so much today and I've challenged us and encouraged us, hopefully inspired us, hopefully bring a new picture in our mind of what God's perspective of love is. And it's so different than this world brings to us every day. In all the social media and all the Television, all the movies is is so different. So, so different. Father, I'm going to talk to you a minute. What you've done for us in Jesus is this passionate. All the passion that we feel in this kind of thing, in this kind of love and passion. Amp that up a hundred million times and we see Jesus. We see His love for us. The passion of the Christ on the cross for us. We need You, God. We need Your help. We need Your help to see what, what we're looking at, but to see it in the perspective that You have. God, I poured my heart out this morning. I pray that there will be something in there. There will be seeds in our hearts that will grow. Whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're divorced, no matter what our journey is right now, that there will be a seed of hope placed in our hearts. That no matter what our status is going to be later on in life, that we'll know that we're loved of you by this passionate love that we see in other people that have good, passionate love for each other. Respectful love for each other. Enduring love for each other. Because that all comes from you. That's from heaven. That's beyond ourselves. We get to enjoy just a little bit in other people. But we can enjoy... Tons of it from you every day. And I just thank you, God, that this is the seed that needs to grow in us.
right now. And let that affect every one of our relationships. And those of us that have that intimate partner, I pray, God, that you will help us handle that person right. Righteously. Respectfully. Honorably. Lovingly. Every single day that we're with them. What a privilege. What an honor. We thank you, God. And for every couple here, I thank you, God. and Honor them right now by praying for them. And I pray that you guide each one of them with wisdom, with understanding that comes from heaven, that comes from your throne, that comes from your heart. Because it has to, has to be contextualized. It has to be brought into, that wisdom has to be brought into our relationships and every relationship is so different. That's why there's no judgment here. And for every person who is longing for that special person to be in their life, I just pray, God, that not only give you patience, everybody prays for that, I know that, but I pray that you would pour forth your love into their hearts so that they don't feel like they're missing anything. And that as you bring them together with that person that you have designed for them, that that love from heaven will continue to fill their hearts and minds. Oh God. And that they'll be able to enjoy the love of God with each other. For those that are divorced and, and those who have lost their lovers through death, I pray for them that you would be everything that they need right now in this moment. Help us in our pain. Make it bearable in our distress. Fill our hearts with your love. We desperately need that right now. Thank you for the journey, God. Some of these things we haven't asked for. Some of these things we don't understand. Some of us are living confused lives. And we're just trying to make sense of it all. We're trying to make one step go in front of the other. And I pray that you would give us some sanity in it. Stay with me a little bit longer as I pray, God. I pray that You would help us see more clearly the path that's in front of us. Because there's coming a day, God, when we're going to look back on this and it will pale in comparison to where we are with You. There's coming a day when the glories of heaven will far outshine the darkness of this day. There's coming a day when the power of God will so envelop us that the pain of the today will just not even register. But God, we're in today. And I'm asking you, dear Lord, would you come into today and help us in our darkness, in our loneliness, in our heartaches, in our confusion. And bring your light and your wisdom so that that day we can look back and say we did it your way, not our own. We tried to follow you to the best of our ability, to the best of our knowledge. And we look back with no regrets. We're seeking you with all of our hearts. 
Well, help us, God. Because we can't even live the way that You want to live without Your Holy Spirit helping us. Would You help us today, God? On this snowy day, would You help us today? In this lonely day, would You help us today? In this confusing day, would You help us today? Because we need Your help right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to thank You, God, for hearing this prayer. I want to thank You for helping my friends right now. I want to thank You also for helping me. Because You know how much I need Your help. I want to thank You, God, for Your Holy Spirit's power lifting us up right now, strengthening our hearts, giving our minds wisdom, giving our hearts wisdom. I thank You, God, for bringing healing, for bringing help, for bringing clarity. Would you do one more thing before I let you go? Would you just worship Him for a second and honor Him from your heart to Him? Whether you want to vocalize that or not, that's not important. Whether you want to raise your hands, that's up to you. Just honor Him and commit and devote yourself to Him. God, open up the channels of understanding where it's been blocked right now as we worship You, as we honor You, as we've seen things in our own way and we have perspectives. I ask that You wipe that out now and replace it with Your perspective. The way that You see things, let, uh, let that be the way that we see things. Not the way that we have interpreted our own lives, but that the way that You see our lives. Would You do that right now, God, as we worship You and honor You? Our hearts towards You right now in Jesus' name. Our hearts towards You in Jesus' name. Our hearts towards You, God. In Jesus' name, we honor You. Oh God, we've seen things so wrong. Forgive us, God. We've looked at things so unholy at times, and You are the Holy One. We honor You and worship You. We honor You and worship You. Let Your Word, let Your Spirit grow and explode in our hearts and our chests right now. Let there be a passion for You like there was never before. We honor You, God. We love you, Father. I don't know how to quit today. I'm just going to dismiss us and say thank you for listening and continue. Let this continue. It's working in us. Just take it home with you. You got something else? Um, I was praying this morning just for service and felt like God put this word um, it means so I just want to share it with you guys and pray. Um, I feel like some sometimes I'm putting myself in this too. We hold back from like drawing closer to God as a lover of our souls. And um, it's often because we're afraid for him to examine our hearts, right? For him to know like what's going on in our heart, what we've looked at, what we think about, things like that. Um, and he brought to mind just this... Uh, word from Ephesians about everything that's exposed becomes a light. And so I just want to exhort you guys, encourage you guys, if you're struggling, like you're, it's like you're wanting to grow in, in a closeness with God, but you're afraid to like take that step of vulnerability of just being bare and open before him and letting him examine you, examine your heart. Don't be afraid. Like he's the one who cleanses, and he's the one who um, he he makes those darknesses in us a light. And so I just want to pray over us real quick, Father. Um, I pray for anyone struggling, God, who who just desires and longs for that um, that closeness with you, Lord, as lover of of their soul, God. I pray even this week, God, that. Um, we would take a step and just 
trust, God, that when we open ourselves to you, God, that you are not harsh with us, that you are the one who cleanses us, God, and you make us light, Lord. You search us and you know us, and you're trustworthy, God. It's trustworthy, it's trustworthy to give our whole hearts to, even the parts we're afraid or ashamed about. God, I pray that you would search our hearts this week, Lord, that you bring light, God. Amen. Well, have a great, great week. All right? Let these things roll around. Anything that's from me or the flesh, just, you know. But if there's something in there that is from heaven to you, I pray that you would take that and think on it more. All right? God bless.